Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, guys. And Jason. Hello. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing great. How are uh, you? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I'm awesome. This disclaimer, uh, we just had a couple of shots of the new Code Brew Jaeger. Not sponsored by Cold Brew Jaeger. But no, but... The amount of advertising so time that we give to stuff free is like... <laughs> yes, all two listeners will make a big difference. Maybe one of them will be like, what's your home address? We can send you some of this so you'll shut Just the fuck up about it. Just stop talking about us. Ben, oh. doing good, doing good. How are you? I'm excited to talk about this movie, talk about what we've watched. Yeah. Get into all the good stuff like always. Yeah. Cool. Me too. Yeah. Should I yeah. go first with what we've watched? Yeah, what have you been watching? Okay. I watched a movie that I think came up on a previous episode. Uh-oh. I think Michael brought it up. Oh? Yes, because it has hunky boys in it. Oh, is it the Barbarian? Oh, it is the Barbarian. I was just concerned because I was like, well, I talk about hunky boys all the time. <laughs> so which hunky boys are we talking about? Yeah, yeah I, 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 I watched. Was, I was waiting for you to watch it because I wanted to know. Nice, nice. Yes, I watched my Blue of the Barbarians, and it's a lot of fun. Um... It's not what I would say is a good movie, but it's a very, very fun movie. It's from 1987, uh, directed by Ruggiero Diodato. Nice. Um, it has the Barbarian Brothers in it, uh, David Paul and Peter Paul. I can't wait to post the cover of this movie <laughs> for like oh, yeah. for all the it's social great. media it's things. Great. So it's if you so... haven't heard of it, because when I saw it on Jason's shelf, I was like, holy <laughs> shit, I want to watch this. Yeah, it's one of those fantasy films I passed up when I was young at the video store because I'm like, oh, these two buff dudes, I don't want to watch this. You know, where's the scantily clad chicks, you know, but... So is that title, The Barbarian Brothers, like a moniker they have? Or... Yeah, it was. Cool. Yeah. Um, and they're actually really fun in it. It's it's very lighthearted. It's not, like, that violent, and it's not... It's not like Deathstalker, where there's, like, you know, a rape scene every ten minutes or something like that. I had trouble Yikes. with Deathstalker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Deathstalker 2 is fun, though. Um, but uh, it's a lot of fun. And actually, it, it, can, it looks... The Blu-ray's gorgeous. It looks nice. You know, it's shot pretty well. Uh, Richard Lynch is the bad guy. Don't know if you're familiar with him. He's always playing a baddie in movies like nice. Invasion USA or Bad Dreams. You, I know you've seen. I guarantee you've seen him, Michael. Michael's okay. shaking his head. <laughs> you've seen him. Um, but it's a lot of fun. You know, again, it's lighthearted. Name something I've seen with him in it. That's what I hear every five minutes. That's their number one criticism. Name something I've seen with him in it. <laughs> Um, but no, I recommend it. It's a, uh, it's a good time. It's a good beer movie. You know, get a couple of guys together, a couple of beers, <laughs> a couple of barbarian brothers. I was like, this know. is getting, this is taking hey, a turn. Get a couple dudes I'm on, together. I'm on board now. Whatever. The barbarian brothers. What's have, their shtick? Were they like wrestlers or something? I think they were just, I think they were just bodybuilders. Mm. Okay. And they, and just, they just wanted just... to get into movies. All right, cool. And they did a couple of other movies besides this. Um, I think this is their most well-known one though. It was kind of like the Schwarzenegger thing. Yeah. 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 Oh, they were one called uh, Twin Sitters from 1994, which has a hilarious cover. <laughs> you got to look this up. Is it's not um, like fantasy related? No. They're just the Barbarian Brothers in I think they're like babysitters. Yeah, they're, they're babysitting. But they don't change the moniker? Like they're always the Barbarian Brothers? Yeah. That's their thing. That's who they are. Wait, are they Barbarians as babysitter? No, no, that would be great. <laughs> <'Cause I'm... laughs> it's like Conan the Barber with a librarian. Or something. This shit's writing itself. And they had another one called Double Trouble, where they play, I guess, Naturally. one lost twins. So they Naturally. really leaned into the twin. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you're a, <laughs> when you're this big buff guy, and there's another dude who looks exactly like you, you've got to exploit <laughs> the shit out of that. But uh, no, it's fun. Check out the Barbarians. Okay, cool. I'll have to look it up. I'll borrow your blue. Yes. So I said I wasn't going to come again for like the third time in a row with a J-horror film. Mm-hmm. But then I watched one, and it was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So now I've got to talk about it. Okay. So let me let me sell you guys on this. Do you like The Ring? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I, it I, scared you, didn't it? No, I've never seen it. What? You've never seen the original Ring? No. What? You gave me the anthology, and I haven't watched it yet. Oh, my God. Mm. Well, that's a problem for We're going to stop this podcast, make him watch The Ring. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> okay, so you like The Ring. You would like it if you watched it, Michael, so we'll just we'll run with that. 
So have you ever thought to yourself, you know, what if this movie was like just barely over an hour long? And instead of the ghost girl coming out of the TV, it was just a woman that's like chopped from the torso up and that's all it is. And she races around on her hands and rips people in half. Oh, oh, I think, I think I know what this is. <laughs> is this, uh, is it Tiki Tiki? Yes, I watched yeah. Tiki Tiki. I've read about that. Yeah, it's based on an urban legend and like a story of like a, a ghost story from Japan. Uh, it's directed by Koji Shiraishi from 2009. And it's like super fun and super crazy. Is it good? Is it scary? The legend's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. So the legend is like, just to go over it really briefly, it's a, it's a woman and she was uh, assaulted by some men. And in her, like, grief and feeling bad, she uh, jumped off an overpass over some train tracks to commit suicide. And when she landed, a train came across and split her in half. And so they say that her upper body now is like a ghost haunts anywhere there's, like, an overpass going over her train tracks. And you will hear the sound of her hands slapping the ground as she races, like, super fast after you. And that's the teke-teke sound as her that's, hands. That's, that's a creepy image. It really slapping. is. Slapping. And they did yeah. a lot of good work in the movie with, like, sound and stuff and really making that scary for you. Hmm. But uh, they say, like, if you hear the sound and you look back and see her, she'll come and kill you. And you have to, like, never look back if you hear it and just keep going. Right. And then as the film goes, they kind of add some more to it and, like, expand off the mythos. Hmm. Uh, super fun. Real short. It's, like, barely 70 minutes. Super gory. They just have, like, blood sprays as she tears people in half. Uh, a little questionable CGI, but... Of course. You know, it was fun. Oh. I have an important question. Sure. What happened to the bottom half? They don't know. What does it do? <laughs> well, when she kills the people... Don't they be just, stupid, Michael. <laughs> they just kind of <laughs> drop, but I don't know. No, like her bottom half. They don't They don't really say. The way it gets into it... Cause I, That's a different legend. <laughs> I made the comparison to the <laughs> ring because it gets to the same thing where they're like, well, what's the story? Why is she cursed? oh, we have to, like, resolve the curse to make her stop. Mm -hmm. But, of course, they can't, and there's a sequel that goes even crazier. Oh, that's it. They have to find her bottom half and rejoin <laughs> that's what her. It is. And then she's they like, have oh, to set it right. much better. Thank you. <laughs> she's only ripping people in half because she just wants her legs back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the film, it's supposed to be, I think there's, like, a memorial for her where she died, and it's been, like, desecrated because, like, time has progressed, and someone knocked it over, and there's been, like, construction, and the railway was closed down, and blah, 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 blah. Hmm. But, yeah, super fun, super crazy. Is it streaming anywhere for free? I know it's Michael's question. That is your question. Just going to ask it, you know, because there's a lot of is no, people. There's no proper Western release of this, I don't think. There is a horrible misrepresentation of Asian <laughs> films streaming online. Who do we contact about this? Uh, Japan? I don't know. <laughs> the country in general. <laughs> just call no. Japan. I think it's just like Western. Hello, Japan, sir. <laughs> Western licensors and stuff. They need to pick this. You know, up and get it on streaming, get it out on media. Oh, so annoying. How, just, how expensive could it be to import that over, you know? Especially I, digitally. $3. <laughs> it might cost $3. I'll give you the $3. I mean, that would be my dream if I just got some kind of windfall. I would just make a label, and all it would do is just grab this stuff That's and awesome. get it released and get it out there. Wow, cool. That'd be great. GoFundMe. <laughs> GoFundMe for Dustin's uh, Asian streaming. So, ticky, ticky. Check it out. Yeah. Pretty right. good. Seek it out. You can find it. It's out there. All right. So it's mine now. And I specifically saved mine for last because mine leads into today's feature. Mm -hmm. mm. When we sat down to watch Poughkeepsie Tapes, you guys were talking about the director and um, is John Eric Dowdle. Yes. yes. Dowdle. Is that how I'm saying his name correctly? Dowdle. Yeah. And, you, and Dustin, you were like, oh, this is the same dude who did As Above, So Below. Yes. I love that movie. I was going to talk about it. I've never seen it. And it's still on Netflix, streaming for free. Thank you very much. Nice. Well, after you pay for Netflix, it's free. But you still got to pay for it, so it's not free. <laughs> Listen, sir. The semantical <laughs> argument is saved for semantics exposure, not genre exposure. Um, I watched As Above, So Below. Oh, nice. So what do you think? Dude, how did I miss this? Yeah, it's really good, right? I think... So basically, I'll give you the IMDb synopsis, which doesn't do it justice. And no. I think this is why I missed it. It's because it says, when a team of explorers ventures into the catacombs that lie beneath the streets of Paris, they uncover a dark secret that lies within the city of the dead. Kind of boring. That's kind of a right. horrible synopsis. And I remember when it came out, a lot of people were kind of like, uh, I'm done with found footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, screw this film. Forget it. A lot of shaky cam, though. You mm -hmm. know, like. 
but we there's so much more. Yeah. The true reason that they go into the catacombs is because they're seeking uh, the Philosopher's Stone. There's a lot of like the lore of alchemy and stuff in it, and I really thought it would pair with a Dark Song. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. It was super great that like we'd watched them so recently together, Yeah. and I didn't know that any of that shit was in the movie, or else I would have been all on board a long time ago. But I remember the trailers coming out, and I was like, eh, because... I don't know. We'll talk about it more when we. I don't want to spoil anybody's thunder with this because I think talking about Poughkeepsie tapes kind of builds to, you know, like found footage stuff and how this director is really good at that. We can visit that later if you want to. But but no, this movie does so much with so little. Um, Oh, yeah. The set pieces are super small. They really sell the claustrophobia, too, being down there. Well, you couldn't ask for a better setting. Right. Catacombs. Yeah. And I'm curious as to how much of that was actually shot. I think a lot of it was, actually. Because when my wife and I were planning on going to Europe a while back ago, I wanted to go to the catacombs. Now, fuck that. I don't want to go. <laughs> oh, dude, I want to go so bad. Yeah, but I've always been fascinated with that as a place. But it was really hard to get tours to that. They don't. Speci- I don't think they really do tours, tours of mm-hmm. the catacombs anymore. Um, but, yeah, like... Also, one of my biggest fears in life is being trapped. <laughs> um, claustrophobia. I, I get this movie. I was sitting there fucking shaking nice. in certain parts of it because I hate. I can't watch the videos of people like, look at me go in this cave. Oh, yeah. I can't oh, yeah. watch those. I will hyperventilate. And there are scenes in, in As Above, So Below that I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to watch this anymore. This is really... I was sitting there like heavy breathing, <laughs> uncomfortable, squirming in my seat. Just I love like, that. Though. I love that a movie can generate a physical reaction like. Oh that. yeah, I don't yeah. think not. I mean, it's not all the time that that happens. No, but uh, to me, it's rarely. But, but specifically for me, like I have such a huge fear of like being buried alive right. or being trapped somewhere. That even so much that I won't stay under the covers with my head under because like, <laughs> <laughs> what happens if I get stuck here? <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah, I think that's a lot of like why I do this stuff is like just chasing that dragon to find stuff like uh, yeah. this film. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, it was so good. We'll talk about it more in the okay. feature. Sure. But sure. that, that was my that was my one that I watched this killer, week. Killer. I mean, I watched some other stuff, not necessarily genre. I'll go ahead and throw a plug for Invincible, um, comic book adaptation from Robert Kirkman's comic. Love the comic. He's a hometown hero for yeah, us. Absolutely. Uh, super great story. Um, five episodes streaming right now on Amazon Prime. And if you pay for it, you get Amazon Prime too. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> wow. I am nothing if not pedantic. Jason, <laughs> you selected this film. I sure did. Take us in. What's this? What are we dealing with here? Well, uh, the Poughkeepsie tapes. Yes. Um, as you mentioned, it's uh, John Eric Dowdle's first movie. He co-wrote it with his brother. Uh, it came out in 2007. Technically. Um, technically. <laughs> played some festivals, got some good word of mouth. It was supposed to be distributed by MGM, but poof, was pulled from the schedule. Oh. And that helped add to its mystique over the years. Um, but it is a found footage movie, uh, more precisely a mockumentary, about this serial killer in Poughkeepsie who uh, was very prolific and recorded all of his crimes, and uh, the police had uncovered his tapes, found his house, and it's pretty much them going back and looking at the tapes, talking about him, putting everything together, and the story's told by a bunch of talking heads with uh, footage used from the killer's tapes interspersed throughout the movie. Yes. Right. This is what ha- this was really ahead of its time, because now if you watch any true crime show, it basically is this movie. Right. Exactly. It feels like one of those unsolved mysteries and, shows. And those were around then. It's really exploded now. But I, I can't help but think this is a kind of a commentary on those two. I could see mm. that. I could see that. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that later, I think. Because this movie is not as old as it seems. When you so when you watch it, it feels... Well, I don't know. I'm still in denial that it's 2021. <laughs> so. I mean, it came out in 2007, dude. Oh, shit, it is pretty old. It okay. didn't get a release until uh, 10 years later. Uh, was it Shot Factory that put it out, I think? Yeah, I've got a little info on that. So yeah. uh, for a very short time in 2014, it got released as video on demand through DirecTV. Right. 
and it was there for like a month, and they pulled it again. Yeah. And I remember seeing bootlegs of this at the cons and stuff. I never picked it up. I was never uh, big on getting bootlegs. Yeah, me either. But finally, 2017, Scream Factory, which is part of Shout Factory, saved the day with a Blu-ray release. Yes. Awesome company, by the way. I love them. But it's actually streaming on uh, Amazon Prime right now. Nice. Yeah? Do you have to pay for it? Well, you have to pay for Prime, but then after you pay for it, you don't have to pay for We should just start a new game where you can take a shot every time I bitch about what you have to pay for. Add that to the list. Um, But really, my first encounter with this film was like the urban legend that built out of it. Okay. Because I would be on message boards or forums, and people would be like, dude, have you ever seen the Poughkeepsie tapes? Mm Mm-hmm. It's basically like a snuff film as a movie, and it's so crazy they couldn't release it. Not these people writing this, had they seen the movie? I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. When yeah, because s- I wouldn't say that about this movie at all. Its reputation for how like violent and depraved it is, I think, is highly exaggerated. But that also was like how it got this underground hype. Right, added to the mystique. Mm-hmm. It really increased it because it's like, why was it pulled? Was it too hardcore for you know mm-hmm. mainstream audiences? Right. And they tried to do the Blair Witch marketing where they acted like it was a true story. Mm-hmm. But it seems like that didn't take off. What really took off was like this fan-led urban legend. Right. People wanted film. it to be true. It's like with Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. How Blair Witch fooled so many people. Well, and I hadn't really heard it. I've heard of Poughkeepsie Tapes, mm-hmm. but I'd, I've never, I'd never seen it, obviously. But as always, my wife's like, okay, what are you guys watching this week? Do I, you know, do <laughs> I watch What dumb it? shit are you watching yeah. this week? <laughs> Pretty much. God. She was like, I think I've heard of that. And I yeah. was telling her a little bit about kind of the urban legend about it. And she used to be big on message boards and stuff like that and kind of like the the old peer-to-peer sharing stuff. Right. And she was like, I think I've heard of that. I haven't seen it, but I think I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. So it even reached her. Yeah, I don't know how it got leaked, but I guess it was really highly like traded and shared around on like torrents and other sites. Yeah. Do you think mm-hmm. it's one of those like, oh, we accidentally leaked it? I don't know. Maybe. Since, you know, it's... I mean, wouldn't you want your film to get out there? Yeah, I mean, maybe I was going to say this isn't the place to take this tangent, but I think it is the place to take this tangent. Like, if you've made a film, you're proud of this film, hopefully. I mean, unless it's a total pile of shit, and then you're like, yeah, I can sit on the shelf forever. But like, <laughs> Well, buy, why, why buy the rights to a movie then not distribute it? Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's so horrible for the filmmaker because mm-hmm. you put your love, time, and effort into this film just to have somebody say... We don't really think this is worth showing to people anymore. Right. And then you don't have the rights to your movie anymore, so you can't distribute it. Yeah. You can't even homegrown it, you know? So, I don't know. I, I, could, I couldn't find any definitive reason why it was pulled. But my theory is that, because this came out in 2007, Hostel came out two years before. Mm-hmm. Interesting, So yeah. then we've got this whole big thing about torture porn. Yeah. Which is not a phrase I really like. I think that's... It's a juvenile, stupid phrase to describe these movies, in my opinion. We should watch one and talk about that subgenre one day. Yeah, totally. Um, but I think, and then, you know, we had the Saw movies, Wolf Creek. A lot of flicks were coming out, and a lot of critics were calling it torture porn and, and railing against it, just like they did in the 80s with slasher films, because they're so violent, mm-hmm. and they're, they're just about seeing people die. <laughs> I mean, my issues with those movies aren't the fact that they're torture. They're just usually that they're not a good story. (laughs) That's usually my issues with those movies. A lot of times. Although I really do like Hostel. The first one's fine. Yeah. Um, But uh, I think MGM just got cold feet about that. They just, they think, well, we're just going to get, you know, no one's going to come see it. Critics are going to bash us. It's not worth it. It's also not as slick as Hostel either. Oh, God, no. It's very. And it's not nearly as gory. That's the thing about this movie. I think that mystique added to people's preconceptions because it's it's really not a gory film it's no. disturbing mm-hmm. i think it's more disturbing than hostile personally on a as far as like unsettling level hmm. i think by implications yes okay yes i would agree with that well let's go ahead and take it off like from the beginning well yeah i mean i don't even know if we need to do like a play-by-play of this one because it's 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 basically it's a lot more like vignettes Right. It's very much like a documentary. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know? it. This feels like insert your serial killer story here right. kind of a thing. And that is one thing. They definitely pulled from a lot of famous serial killers. Like the obvious one is Ted Bundy. Yeah. Because he kind of does like the nice guy act in some of the scenes to like trick people to get a hold of them. Mm-hmm. I think they want to sell him as like the charismatic serial killer that can just win over anyone. I have some problems well, with that, maybe. They, they, they portray him as being, like, this Machiavellian, intelligent, 
Hannibal Lecter-like serial killer that's yeah. just smarter than everyone else. Right. And, that's, and, and knows how to get away with everything. That's my first problem with the film is it's like... Uh, Okay. I get what you're wanting to do, but dude, you're not. You're like you're a fucking incel, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've I've been wronged by a woman, and now right. I must unleash my and, wrath. And that's what one of the talking heads said. They said, "Oh, he probably had a fight with his wife or had a breakup, so he started killing people." And that's supposition. That mm-hmm. may not even be the case. Yeah, we don't fully know, but that movie sets that up hard, though. Right. Yeah, basi- well, basically, we see tapes of him killing a bunch of different the first victim is actually a child like the six-year-old girl or something mm-hmm. and that's pretty smart because it sets the bar pretty high mm-hmm. it's shocking you immediately who he right. ducks in broad daylight off their front yard right mm-hmm. um while holding a big camera right holding a big camera and uh it's not they don't show anything it's not gory no, again it's the implication no. that's disturbing you know? right it doesn't it's not always about what you see it's about what you don't see mm-hmm and there's they show other people, but he, he he mostly fixates on this one character named Cheryl Dempsey, right? Played by uh, Stacy Chabosky. Yes, very. She's great in this movie. Yeah, she's very. She, good she's actress. the best thing about this movie. Absolutely, because the acting ranges from pretty bad to <laughs> Stacy Chabosky. You know, great. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of the like police officers and like the quote unquote like professionals and stuff. Like I've seen investigate discovery shows where those people seemed seemed like better actors. <laughs> Are you um perhaps referring to Jason Ribling, the dismemberment expert? <laughs> perhaps. And I, I did wonder about that title. I've never seen that come up on a show before. I, I mean, I had a minor in dismembering when in college. I mean, you know. No, Jason. I, I didn't want to no, take you, it very far. No. No, you didn't. You don't go to college for that sort of thing? No. To you, be a dismembering expert? No, you may have dismembered yourself from like social society. Oh, well, yeah. that's true. <laughs> they don't give out degrees for that. No. no, if they did, man, everybody who might listen to this podcast would be a <laughs> doctorate because they're like us. <laughs> yeah, some of the some of is is less than convincing. We'll put it that way. But um, as the Cheryl character, she is excellent in the She's film. Great, she carries it. She really does. So the basic storyline of uh, him abducting Cheryl Dempsey mm-hmm. is. Essentially, all of the kills have so far been random or random seeming, they seem seeming to be random. To be random. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's this Cheryl Dempsey character that he abducts and becomes like his uh, piece de resistance kind right. of a thing yeah. of like she his will masterwork. be the Yeah, <laughs> as a like PG Psycho yeah. Goreman would say, it's my masterpiece. Um, but, you know, basically to to blur the lines of what you can do to someone psychologically and like physical torture and psychological torture. Like this seems to be the first time that he's going beyond physical torture Mm -hmm. and really very like BDS Emmy. Yeah. He he wants to own this person. Right. Right. And And he winds up doing just that, which is another one of those like famous serial killer link points. Uh, I think it's BTK. Yeah. He kind of had some of that stuff going on with his murders. And I, yeah, this is kind of like an amalgamation of all of, the serial, I, I saw a lot of Dahmer in this too. Yeah, I can see that. And then when he's stalking Cheryl and like sneaks in her house and hides in the closet, that was very like Night Stalker. Yeah, Richard Ramirez. That mm-hmm. scene's very effective. I think. I think it's really good. Um, there's a specific scene when he first decides she's the one that he's going to go after. He just fucking walks into her house. Yeah. yeah. And, and he has, like, no plan, really. He no. doesn't even know that her boyfriend's over or anything. And he's just kind of watching her mm-hmm. uh, from the shadows. And that I found disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's creepy. And when he, he, sneaks, he sneaks up on the boyfriend who's in the kitchen and he turns a light on, you see the reflection of the plague mask that he's wearing. Right. Behind <laughs> the another, boyfriend. Another one of those spots where I'm like, man, uh, I really want to <laughs> like this film. But then. <laughs> Was it too silly? Did that, did that strike you as being silly? I was here or there. The, the, the killer the... is very theatrical if you haven't seen it. Like in all the tapes, he's wearing a mask. And a cape, usually. Usually it's a cape. He's wearing like this plague mask with these like frilled collars and stuff. I was going to let it slide until the ruffled collar. When right. it got to that, I was just like, who is this dude? This That's is... where Dustin draws the line, ladies and gentlemen. Ruffled, ruffled collars is where <laughs> Dustin draws the line. It's like you're trying to give me like a Hannibal Lecter dude, but he's just like, he's fucking lame. He's an incel. He's dressed up like he's a you know theater troupe actor. Well, I mean, dressing up does two things. It conceals his identity from the cops because apparently he left all these videotapes in his house for them to find. So he knew that was going to happen. And it's also that theatricality. You know, it's scary because he's wearing a mask and, you know, he's the hmm. boogeyman. But you don't buy it. I don't buy it either. Yeah, it's it was a hard sell, I think, to make that way. 
I think there's a lot of ways that you could have gone. You could have given him like a gas mask or even like... He's which, wearing gas masks. And he does. Place. He does it the When he's part. like dismembering bodies and yeah, stuff. That that's part's like very his, effective. That's his dismemberment outfit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, the dismemberment expert, uh, Jason Ribling, would tell you all about that. Yeah, he'd be like, well, you are you don't dismember unless you wear that outfit. <laughs> you want to have one of those. And I think this film has a lot of love to other stuff too because that dismemberment scene, uh, have you guys ever seen any of the Japanese guinea pig films? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. It kind of reminded me of one of those, the way it was shot and presented like Devil's Experiment, mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah. Those scenes I found, I don't know. This is where I thought the those scenes were going. Is that I felt like there was a, there were multiple ideas for mm-hmm. this film, none of which were completely connected, so they were shot different ways. It was almost like a lot of what was going on in the in the found footage yeah. parts that we see of the killer's tapes. You've got one side that's. Hey, check out this cool special effect that we just made, mm-hmm. and and we made it pretty cheap, so we can do it again. <laughs> There's that, and it almost feels like an you know an SFX reel kind of a thing of like, look what we can do. I can see that on the cheap, and then you've got the other side, which is like kind of artsy. Like, let's see what kind of weird artsy shit we can pull with this. Mm-hmm. And then the third side for me is just like the the random creepy things that it looks like somebody had an idea of like what if we did this like and when then, he's wearing like two masks and one's on the back of his that head that was creepy and he's walking like arched I didn't like that the lady yeah that's a creepy scene I didn't like that because it made me uncomfortable <laughs> right but that was creepy but do you see where I'm saying that none mm. of those really seem to fit okay yeah no right. the three of those don't always seem to go together. In, in the film as a coherent story. I can see that. Yeah, I can go there with you. And I will say, I, I'm going to be like rough on this film, but I do think it's very well made. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I what Do you know the budget? Oh, God, I, I couldn't find it, but it can't be more than like 20 grand. Or it doesn't have probably. to be. It, it was, doesn't have uh, to be. It was shot in 15 days. Right. I found that. That's a pretty good turnaround. I mean, for what this movie does, for nothing, is, is absolute genius filmmaker there's definitely so, there's definite talent here which so we've already talked about because you've talked about yeah so please don't get me wrong like as much as i might shit on the film for my personal feelings of it <laughs> it's very well made mm-hmm. it's but really well done i think here what i really got though this is like the seed like the kernel that's planted that then like blossomed when he did as above so below yeah right. as a, well i think there's a huge difference there in budget too oh yeah for sure I also think that, I mean, as you mentioned the guinea pig films, Mm -hmm. and for those who don't know, that's a series of films made in Japan that are just, the first couple is just all torture. Right. They they get ascribed to be like just fake snuff films, basically. I mean, people think hostels torture porn. No, 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 no. no, no. Watch Flowers of Flesh and Blood. That's more of a torture porn. And it's movies like that, which predate this, Mm -hmm. or even uh, for those of you who seek the obscure and the underground, um, the the movies uh, August Underground, especially right, the first yeah. one, came out in two thousand one, and this basically does what the Poughkeepsie tapes does, because August Underground by Totag Pictures is it's just one big long snuff film. It's like, and it's it's pretty convincing. I mean, if I if I found that tape unmarked on my front doorstep and put it in the VCR, I would probably think it was real, because it was made low grade. Uh, high the, the special effects are great. It's pretty convincing, and it's extreme. I mean, it's not... People who would go see the Poughkeepsie tapes probably wouldn't even know about August Underground. But those gorehounds who know about it are going to watch Poughkeepsie tapes, which came out six years later, right? and be like, what? This is kitty shit. Yeah, it's kind of been <laughs> ruined by... You know, yeah. It's like, this is nothing. You're all freaking out about this. I guess it is in a limbo as far as, like, its audience a little bit. Yeah. I think for a mainstream audience, if they got to see it, mm-hmm. I think it would have been moderately successful. I think so, too, because I think you will still get some of the um, kind of the middle of the road. I'm not going to say there's absolutely anything wrong at all with the the like investigative documentary kind of things that people just leave on for their dogs while they're at work. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with those at all, because if that's what you enjoy. Oh, some of them are quite good. Yeah. Fuck it. Go for it. Like, yeah. enjoy the shit out of them. But I think you might get some of that audience. With this, you know, because it really does feel like a, like you could be watching this on the Discovery Channel. Yeah. Kind of a thing, you know, with a lot more blurring of the gore. But what I think this film 
takes differently though than than something like August Underground is I think this does a lot more with psychological horror than we give it credit for. Yeah. Uh, because right. of um, what he does to Cheryl Dempsey. Right. That he doesn't have to torture her physically mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. And in a way, I mean, maybe that's a statement on something like Hostel. That Hostel shows you, like, what can you do physically to a person? But this really shows you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there is physical abuse, of course, but yeah, a lot of it is mental. I mean, he just completely... Most of what he does to Cheryl Dempsey, we don't see him do a whole lot of physical to her. Mm -hmm. You know, like, she's tied up. Tied up. He's, like, dunking her head in the water at one point. At the very, very beginning. That's when when he first kidnaps her, but everything else we see from there is really about just fucking with her mentally. Like, he's killing people in front of her. He forces her to kill someone else. Right. To me, like, one of the most brutal parts of all of that is whenever he has her, like, hung up with the rope, and he's going to her and being like, I killed your family. Say you're glad that I killed your family. Right, say thank you. Yeah, it was very yeah. hard to watch, and that that part was really well done. I yeah, thought. I agree. And she sells it. She's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, for me, that's what's more disturbing about Poughkeepsie tapes than yeah. anything, and that's probably not even why somebody was hesitant of doing it, you know? Right. Now I think that we should probably put a disclaimer on this film because... If you've been through something like that or in a really abusive relationship, this could be really hard for you to watch. Oh, sure. Definitely. So I mean, It's hard for a normal person to watch. Right? Yeah. Not normal. A person who hasn't gone through an experience. Right. right. Exactly. Like, I sat there and I was like, oh, that, I, like, I can sit there and watch the gore scenes all day long. Sure. Like, I could care less about those. Right. But watching what he's doing to this girl mentally and emotionally is really rough. Mm-hmm. It's really, and it's cruel. Like, I know Jason and I have talked about this before many times, but I sometimes have problems with certain horror films because they're mean. Right. I, people say a lot like they're mean-spirited films. And and I love my slashers, but I never feel like slashers are mean. Mm, they can be. Certain ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, the mainstream know, ones are all kind of made in fun, I think. Right. Yeah, there's, and there's always a like, they'll just like pick, peek their head behind the curtain just to make sure you see like, oh, yeah. look what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. But then like a movie comes along like Terrifier. Mm-hmm. Which is good, highly recommend it. But it's fucking mean. Oh, it's mean spirited right. as hell. It's just it's hard to watch sometimes, yeah. you know, yeah. because just the killer's so mean about everything. He's so good. <laughs> he is. Clown is so. Like, but that's how I felt about Poughkeepsie tapes. Is the dude? It was just sometimes very, very mean spirited. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of added for me that um, emotional trauma that right. I like right. <laughs> in a film, yeah. you know, but, but like, it's also true too. I mean, serial killers are mean people. Yeah. I mean, you can't sugarcoat that. No, you, you know? can't. And you probably shouldn't. If you're making a movie like this, that strives for realism. And I, I think mean, in society sometimes with the rise of like all the documentary shows about serial killers, sometimes they do get sugarcoated and it really creeps me out sometimes when I hear people be like, well, who's your favorite serial killer? And oh, they I'm like, have fans, man. Yeah, and like, I'm Richard like... Richard Ramirez, women were lining up to be with him. Yeah. You know, to, to marry him. And and I'm like, okay, number one, I do not have a favorite serial killer. <laughs> 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 number two, I'm a little creeped out by you right now, and I think I'm going to step to the side. Right. You know, like, everybody right. can you have your fandom, whatever you want to have your mm-hmm. fandom about, but, like, let's not forget that these people brutally murdered. Yeah. Other people. They're not rock stars. And no. the other thing, too, like what they show in this film, it is coming from a very real place. Um, I, I love all this true crime stuff, so I know all these connections, but another one it made me think of was um, the Toolbox Killers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like that dude, he actually had a trailer and he would abduct women and like put them in the trailer. And then a lot of it was just like he would record these messages to them that was just like tearing them down repeatedly. Yeah. And like taunting them and just like messing with them completely. I think Poughkeepsie Tapes is going to be a hard sell right now, and especially in today's climate, mm-hmm. because there's too much. Well, there, it's not saying that it wasn't then either. It's just now this, the, the light is on it. There's just too much of abuse towards women in yeah, every— sure. and always, ev- There always has been. Always has said, been. Yeah. But yeah, like this is— I think it's be, this will be a hard sell now. There's more social awareness about it. Now. Exactly. People yeah. are actually coming out and saying, hey, maybe this is a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a brave stance. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that this movie would be a hard sell now for a lot of this because yeah, I mean, it would be underground. It's like yeah. anything. You have you to be know. comfortable with you know yourself and what you're going in and know what you're going in to watch. 
And I never, I think the great thing is Daddle never really shies away from it, though. He never tries to sugarcoat this. Right. And I don't feel like you're ever supposed to like this killer. Oh, no. no. But, but he also, to his credit, he also doesn't go just for the cheap gore. Right. You know, he doesn't just, it's not just for shock value. It could be a much gorier film oh, if he had wanted. Completely. Yeah. I was expecting that going in. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I was disappointed because I think it was. I think it's a pretty well made movie. I have, I have my own critiques, but um, there's nothing like for the budget. I'm still really impressed yeah. with this. No. But I think maybe where we should turn the focus to as well is what why we chose this genre for the found footage mm-hmm. because obviously the most famous found footage horror film we've got is Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. I actually love this subgenre a lot. I'll, anything, if it's found footage, I'll say, you know what, I'll give it a chance. You, I don't shouldn't, care. you shouldn't dismiss it out of hand. I mean, it's it's a, it's a narrative tool like anything else. And if done right, it can be very effective. But what's the biggest thing you hear people complain about with found footage? Shaky cam? Yeah. Shaky cam, the narrative of, like, why are they recording? That's yeah. a big right. thing, too. But also, that, if anybody, I mean, what year was Blair Witch? 99. So if people are thinking, why are they recording then? Just fucking look at TikTok now. Yeah, sure. Like, why are you still recording? I, I never <laughs> questioned why they why, why they were still recording. They even address it. Right. Exactly. You know, say it's like it's, it's you're behind the lens. You feel some modicum of comfort of safety, even though there really is. And none. that's the challenge I think to make a found footage is finding that justification for right. the filming. Right. And this one I think did a really good blend to not to make sure that it wasn't Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. You know, to step away from that enough and to, and to really phrase this more as a mockumentary. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Blair Witch TV special. Which the Blair Witch movie. <laughs> <laughs> Curse of the Blair Witch, right. The whole movie was supposed to be a mockumentary like that, Blair Witch. And they cut out all the mockumentary stuff they filmed and just presented the, the found footage, which was a good move. Yeah. But that Curse of Blair Witch thing you're talking about. Dude, I love thing, that. I ate that great. up. Yeah. It's fantastic. That really sold it, though. The Curse of Blair Witch really mm-hmm. sold Pushing forward towards the like the, the mythology is so yeah. cool, dude. I had the book with like the replica police reports and everything. Yeah. Oh, nice! That's I was great. deep on Blair Witch Love, but you didn't think it was real at any time, did you? No. All right, you were, yeah, okay. You were more savvy. There's no that. way that it could really happen, and then it get a you know wide theatrical release. That's in the in the wild days. <laughs> That's your on. cynicism right, right there. You're like, this couldn't happen because modern cinema and modern <laughs> movie studios would never allow this to happen. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't though. But I mean. People thought the Poughkeepsie tapes was, and and partially some of it was based on something real. At one point in the movie, he changes up his mo to throw off the cops. He starts killing a bunch of sex workers, right? And that is based on a real killer in Poughkeepsie. A man named Kendall Francois killed, I think, mm. ten sex workers from '96 to '98. Um, he would abduct them and bring them up to his attic bedroom. In his parents' house. Cool. Yeah, parents' house. Yeah, you should. <laughs> wow. Hey, girls. Yeah. Careful of dudes who are like, you can go back to so, my parents' like house. Like the killer in this one, he's a loser. Correct. Cool. Most of them are. <laughs> yes. I mean, I well, get it. If, you, if you're killing people, you're, you're yeah, you're obviously a loser. But. <laughs> and I get it. Times are tough. You, sometimes you got to live with your parents. But, you know, it's real don't, hard. To, don't start killing people. <laughs> yeah. It's real hard to invite a girl back to your place, too, if you're living with your parents. And now you got serial killers doing it as an M.O. And you're like, trust me, I'm not a serial killer. I'm just broke and I have a lot of student debt. <laughs> 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 I just want to get laid. <laughs> um, but I thought that was interesting. Um, so I think that kind of added to the to the legend a little bit. You know, people local people knew about that and they put mm. it together and they're like, "Oh, this is that guy." They sure, make, sure. Make t- this guy didn't record anything though. The, right. the real killer. And thankfully. so in the movie, when it shifts into that, he ends up framing a cop right. for his actions. Yes, and it was another one of my spots where I was like, mm, "Hold on, though." Yeah, I, I, yeah. The narrative of that it's a cop who deals a lot with like sex workers. And he was, like, running in a lot of the same circles that our killer was abducting from. And then just, like, magically he pins it on him. Yeah, there's some line about how the cop was a donor at a sperm bank or something. And I guess the killer went in there and got his DNA. I don't even remember that. Yeah, it's it's basically a throwaway line. Well, they don't even talk about testing the DNA is the other thing. They have all this other circumstantial evidence. Right. And they go to the trial. This guy is a Machiavellian <laughs> supervillain, dude. Don't you understand? But he's not, though, and they never sell me on that, <laughs> and that is my problem. This is Hannibal Lecter we're talking he about. He is no Hannibal. <laughs> not at all. That's – honestly, I think that's one of my biggest issues with this film mm-hmm. is that 
Well, I, I guess it doesn't matter. I mean, the, the the killer's not slick to me. No, not at all. But and, I mean, that's that's the thing about serial killers. They really aren't slick. People think that serial killers are supposed to be like these really intelligent people. Most of them have below average IQs. Right, right. They get away with killing because they prey on people who most people don't care about. Yeah. Who society doesn't care about. But the problem is that's not what this film tells us. Right. The film tells us he is an evil mastermind that coordinated all of this mm-hmm. and then got away. And there's part of me that wonders if that was the original intention of the film. Or if as shooting happened... And, I mean, I'm not going to take it away from the actor who plays the killer because he's really acting the shit out of this. Oh, he goes for broke a couple of scenes. Yeah, he's really going for it. So I'm not sure if, like, I don't know what the original motive was behind the writing or if they just started filming it. Oh, shit, this guy went for the, he swung for the fences and we weren't expecting that. I think think there is a critique of that uh, serial killer worship that we talked about earlier. Because uh, even the cops are kind of, you know, begrudgingly respectful right, of what right. he gets away with and stuff like that. Um, and I, I think there is a critique of that there. I don't think it's, you know, apparent. Like, it's not obvious, but mm-hmm. I, I think you can read that into we it. We told you beforehand, don't hit anything <laughs> that I have to edit out. Don't fuck with your mic. And, and you even didn't bring a clipboard to the podcast today because you didn't want to hit it. And you look, just fucking hit a chair. Look, it's from the last time we had that podcasting <laughs> session. We opened some doors. We're getting signs again. You know? God damn it, Dustin. <laughs> I don't feel like an episode is complete until it happens. So. <laughs> Can we just get some goddamn professionalism here? <laughs> Shit. Um, and to kind of move into the latter, like, final part of the film. So he frames this guy. The dude goes to jail. Um, his son kind of campaigns to free him mm-hmm. and exonerate him. <laughs> but that son, man. <laughs> yeah. I actually think he was pretty good. I bought, I bought him as like a, you know, exasperated, burned out. I bought him as just a burnout. <laughs> <laughs> Not burned out, a burnout. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, if you want to talk about like doom porn, where it's just like the thing where like bad stuff keeps happening for no reason. Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, that's the oh, thing. That was the okay. last four years of the presidency. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> whoa, sorry, different episode. Yeah. So, um, he gets him cleared and released, but it happens right around the time of the September 11th. Oh yeah, attack. I totally yeah. forgot about that. So everyone singer. doesn't pay attention to this cop who got framed by the right. serial killer, who's still obviously at large. They wrote up a like they they even wrote a story about how yeah. the the they cop got, was got pushed framed. Back to page six. Yeah, right yeah. So no one cared. And then when people talk about it, they still say, yeah, it was that cop guy. Yeah. I mean, man, what a what a shitty, shitty situation, man. <laughs> For me, I think the craziest thing of the film is that, like, toward, it's in the very last bit of the movie, is that the cops find where they think Cheryl Dempsey is. Mm-hmm. And they find this, like, kind of coffin thing right. there. Well, shit, it's Cheryl Dempsey. Mm-hmm. She's in it, and she's wearing this weird doll mask, doll mask that he's had her wear for most of the film. And I do like that mask. It's pretty effective. It is. It's it is creepy. creepy. It's really creepy. Um, she's emaciated. She's just completely broken. Kudos to the makeup department here. Oh, God. Because she looks completely different. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they did that. I, yeah. I really want to know. Like as I far think she as stayed up probably three days straight or something and just but even the fa- they changed her <laughs> facial structure, dude. Yeah, I mean it's good. It looks good. because my one of my thoughts is like okay they find an actress that looks like this now and then they like overdo it on the other side to make her look mm-hmm. like a typical college girl, right? But you know they didn't. No, no. It's <laughs> like just, it's good makeup and good and acting. It's a good, and all she good body sells language. it. And I think the thing that gets me the like that hurt me the most about watching this, and then really the only true, genuine emotional response I got out of the film. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, yeah. Well, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's but fine. is I didn't when make it. I don't care. <laughs> is, <laughs> sorry, Mister Dowdle. <laughs> is when the interviewer is asking her because they finally get permission to interview her mm-hmm. and is asking her a question. And she's like, what do you want me to say? Yeah. I don't know what yeah. to say. I don't know what to say because the last, what, how many years of her life has been her doing everything yeah. that he's told her to do. Right. That's By the direction. only thing she knows how to do. And she's, is, she's been torturing herself when mm-hmm. people weren't looking, you know, reopening yeah. old wounds and things like that. Yeah. Right. Her hand is missing. And that was actually a little note. I found the way they did that scene is they had a green screen set up, and she had a glove over her hand. Mm-hmm. 
Nice. Okay. How clever. Simple. simple. Yeah. It's awesome. Just simple. It's effective. You see a bit of a blur, but I mean, it doesn't, because you're so, oh God, you know, her hand's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, it works. And she's just talking about how he loves me and he's going to come back for me. Right. Just completely. He is completely. Yeah. This this woman is gone. Yeah. What what was Cheryl Dempsey is gone. Mm-hmm. And I think the really sad thing is that she ends up killing herself like right. a, a week or two after the interview just because he didn't come back for her. Mm-hmm. But then. But also. <laughs> if I can cut it. Rose come back. For Sorry, you. guys. Um, <sighs> You know. If you've gone through all of that and you get in the hospital and you're harming yourself, they're not going to release you in like a week or two to go back home with your family. But isn't that the place where you should go to be with your family? But look at, mm. but I think you're putting a little bit of our, and I want to say modern because even when this film was made, mental health awareness is not where it is now. It's still not where it is. I will give you that for sure. Yeah. And so I think that also, I mean, I don't want to, truly offend any real listener like any listeners here but if you go with the christian angle of what you should do from trauma it is release them to your family be around surrounded by those who quote unquote love you and you'll get better Hmm. but we know scientifically that's not how you deal with trauma Mm -hmm. and sometimes that just it's like refeeding syndrome and and that's true because wouldn't the family have to sign off on her being in some institution you know? Likely, mm-hmm. yes. They could have mm-hmm. fought that, and they could have said, "No, no, she needs to be home." If she was, especially if she was not uh, clearly, if she did not pass a psych evaluation, that she could be able to sign for her own mm-hmm. well-being. You know, that would be then sent to her family. And why not? You know, you'd think like your family would be the one who'd help you yeah. make the best decisions for you. But in this situation, like this is severe. I see your point, Dustin. Right. And that they they don't sense. give us the context to kind of support any of that. For me, it didn't take me out of the picture. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think about that honestly. The first time I saw the movie, that never occurred to me. Mm. So, and I do want to make this point. Sometimes I feel like doing this podcast. I sometimes am hyper aware when I'm watching films that I wasn't before. That's a good way to be. But there are times though where I'm looking for things to mm-hmm. talk about. I'm really looking for like, ooh, that takes me out of the movie that mm. might not have initially. I mean, I try to be forgiving. Like, I think point. any Friday the Thirteenth film, I never question how Jason can just kind of like teleport around. Right. In Part Eight, I do. That is. Oh my God! Come on, that's <laughs> that's egregious. <laughs> but to me, like that is the assumed reality of the fiction of these films is that that just happens, and it. They could just teleport. Who knows? And right, like I asked Jason one time, I was like, do you like the John Wick movies? He's like, well, yeah, once I accept that every single person in the universe is a contract killer. Right, right. That, that took me to the, sec- to the second movie to realize it's set in an alternate universe. Yeah. You're either a contract killer or you're a normal, and there are no cops. Yeah, they don't exist That's otherwise. <laughs> um, and you're like, once I accepted that, yeah, how, they're fine. How does the economy support half the population being fucking assassins? Listen, man, you don't have the degree to talk about that. <laughs> You don't have the credentials. I have the minor in dismemberment. I mean, you think that would give me something? No, no, you don't have the credentials. But so I guess that's the stake that I'm really going to take with this. There is a lot that's great here. There's a lot that I loved. There's a lot of the like talent and Dowdle as a director that you see like late here that gets developed later. But I feel like the film sells this very serious, very clinical, you know, true crime documentary. But then a lot of the plot points kind of rail against that and go somewhere else. And it doesn't really gel for me. I could see that. I I think one of my biggest issues is it took a trope that I hate. I fucking hate this trope. He's still out there. (laughs) Oh, the end when they're like, oh, this movie's playing in the theaters. We're sure he's going to be out there watching this. He's going to be loving all this attention. I hate that trope. I I think it's kind of cute, though, because if if you actually got to watch this in the theater, you'd be like, oh, looking around. Oh, is he the killer? This guy next to me, he looks kind of creepy. Maybe. I don't know, man. I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was like a William Castle almost type kind of gag. At the yeah, end. but it doesn't match the movie. Eh. It, it kind of made me think of the town. <laughs> it kind of made me think match. of the town that dreaded sundown. That also kind of oh, has yeah. a like, mockumentary yeah. style, which I love that movie. It's like he's waiting in line or something at the end. Yeah. You know? I don't know. There's just something about that for me that I didn't care for. Um. And, I, and they're also going BTK killer there too, you yeah. know, like. Well, I, I think the biggest influence on this, especially with all the recordings, all the tapes of his victims and stuff. Um, have you guys heard or saw anything about uh, Leonard Lake and Charles Ng? Yes. 
that's that's where my mind went mm-hmm. immediately when I saw this movie. Um, Michael, you're shaking your head. No, I sorry. I always forget that there's no video in podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're another like pair of notorious serial killers. Oh God, some of the worst. In the late 70s and early 80s, they killed at least 25 people in California oh, okay. and recorded almost everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, to an obsessive degree. And, and jurors had to watch this, too. Why does society trial. suck so much? And it's, you can see, you can, if you want to, you can find some of the footage. I don't think any of the graphic stuff Nothing was graphic, released, no. But you don't need to. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's horrible enough what you see. It's so disturbing. I, yeah. Well, Michael, we do live in a society. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you, Dustin. I quit. <laughs> Jason doesn't. Even, I don't even know if Jason gets that. <laughs> that Snyder cut. Huh? Shit. Never. Well, that's yeah. Joker, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, know. oh. No, I haven't watched that. Um, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next week, Dustin's showing the Snyder cut for the no. Oh no, no. God, no, no. <laughs> I'm good. So that's that's where my mind went when I saw this, and I think that kind of added to the creep factor for me because yeah. I was bringing all the real world influences into it. Now, there's a real buffet of serial killer homages in this. Yeah, I think one of the things that hurt me for this film too is, uh, and Jason just said the word, and it reminded me is that the whole time I was thinking about the film Creep. Mm. Creep. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit so while we watched it, and I, it makes me kind of wonder, like. They're similar in a way, mm-hmm. you know, but like the difference is if you watch Creep, also very low budget, kind of a one to two person cast, you yeah, know. It's, it's play basically. Yeah, it's, it's a person play. Yeah. Great film, but the the killer is very charismatic. And he sells it so completely. Creepy. He does. So creepy. And and he's very creepy and you wanna side with him sometimes and you're like, This dude's just kinda off. Mm-hmm. He, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just kinda off. Like, it could totally be somebody with, like, you know, some sort of, um, like, social disorder. Sure. You know, so- I, I, I could see someone like the other character in the movie, uh, the protagonist. I could see someone like him who's just, he has a caring heart. You right. Know, he cares right. about people. I could see someone like him being forgiving. Uh, this guy, uh, I would have ran away from him from the get Yeah, there's but, nothing I mean, about him. It also irks me. Well, I know why they did it. It irks me that you never see him. But I know that they're doing it to add to the mystique at the end of like he could be next to you. Sure, yeah. sure. that never bothers me. But hmm. it's mostly it probably wouldn't have bothered me as much if it wasn't for the damn mask, <laughs> the plague doctor mask. <laughs> that just I don't know, I don't know. Um, but what I do think this does though, and the director I think really finds what works for him in this film, and then when you get to as above, so below. I think you see that masterfully executed. And there is a half step in between, too, because he directed uh, Quarantine, the American remake of Wreck. I don't count that. Which, As far as remakes go, it's not bad. It's, but it's, almost, it's basically a shot for it's shot. shot for shot. It's yeah, serviceable, yeah. but it didn't need to be made. Oh God, the but, first one's so good, the original. Yeah. The main, I mean, the cool thing is so you get Doug Jones in that sure. uh, creepy underwear man role. Yeah. <laughs> underwear man. <laughs> I don't know what his real name is, but underwear man is his name now. <laughs> well, if you can get Doug Jones, you get Doug Jones. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Just... And uh, Dowdle, his last film was in 2015. It was like an action thriller thing, No Escape. I've not seen it. Well, he also did Waco, though. Yeah, that's the most recent thing he's worked on. It's I did see Waco. A little TV series in 2018 about uh, the Branch Davidians and David Koresh. I've been to Waco, man. That place is fucked up. If you ever oh, really? want to, if you were listening to this from Waco, Texas, you probably already know. But if you want to go visit Waco, Texas, the only thing you can probably do there now is like the Chip and Joanna Gaines Magnolia thing. <laughs> but don't forget, there's Waco, Texas, and there's this dude. I was about to say weird dude. Um, it's weird. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, you can hate me on it. There's a dude selling like memorabilia. Oh, they always do that, man. That's true crime, man. Oh, God, it was fucked up. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, no, I wanted to watch Waco. I didn't. Know. It's 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 um, it's good. I think it takes certain liberties, okay. but I mean, but I think it's cool because in this film we have like the true crime angle, we have the found footage angle, and later on into his career he is kind of you know stuck with that and blossomed further. Oh yeah, oh, he's definitely a good director. But yeah, because you guys were talking about as above, so below, and I I remember seeing the trailer for it, and I remember thinking it looked kind of creepy. 
but I don't think the trailer did it justice. I, not at all. I don't think this dude seems to be plagued with studios not knowing how to handle his <laughs> material. After hearing you guys talk about this movie, because I saw, I saw it in the theater, I, and I was kind of underwhelmed. Go back, give it another watch. I think I need to. Yeah, you guys are really talking. It does about a lot it. with nothing again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that where this film deals deals so much with like alchemy and kind of um, also very Dante-ish hell. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's not even veiled. Like they literally no. get to a point where it even says he's yeah. reading an Aramaic over it and it says <laughs> abandon all right, hope right, you right. enter here. But I think the film does a lot with just lighting, um, mm-hmm. just sound, the sound engineer and like what as above, so below does with that, just the claustrophobia, the assault of sound and just, really tricking the viewer with showing you exactly what you, what they want you to see. Mm-hmm. That's masterful to me. Like, so, so what you're saying yeah, is man. that we should have had you watch as above, so below for the podcast instead of Poughkeepsie tapes. Well, <laughs> here's the thing is that if this movie, like initially, I mean, we're going to get to my star rating. I didn't care for Poughkeepsie tapes that much. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fine. I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I saw it because I kind of wanted to see what the whole sure. thing was about. Right. I'm not upset at all that I watched it, but what I'm most happy about is that I got to see As Above, So Below because we watched this, mm-hmm. because it introduced me to what this director's done yeah. as well. Yeah. And like, I watched, God, man, like, I watched As Above, So Below and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, I have things to do today. <laughs> <laughs> I was planning on doing some things, but now I'm sitting here. Watching this movie and I can't look away. Yeah, you know, and I I typically do when I when I think I might be scared by a movie, I watch it in middle of the day, <laughs> so that way I don't have to go to sleep. Yeah, because you, you don't have the benefit of putting covers over your head because then you get more scared. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's a cruel, cruel world, man. Well, I think after Juon, the whole like covers over your head things a no go yeah. because they can get you. They just ruin it. Everybody right ruins up. it. Yeah, when my <laughs> wife watched that with me. She was like, "That's not fair. They can't be under your covers." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's super smart though. God, yeah. that's yeah. smart. Take Good away it. Yeah, Good stuff. Uh, I think we've talked about more movies than the Poughkeepsie tapes doing this. <laughs> Perhaps. <clears throat> that's fine, though. I think that's important sometimes is the discussion that it brings you. Because even when we bring a movie to watch for this film club, sometimes it leads to the discussion of mm-hmm. something maybe that the movie like evoked in you. And you're like, oh, that reminds me of this movie. Have you guys seen this? Right. And then that might lead us to the next right. film that we watch. So, And hopefully this is, if you're listening, maybe this is a breadcrumb for you that some of these other ones we've talked about, if you've seen this, maybe you can branch out in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And some of these movies, like, yeah, we would absolutely love for you all to watch them and comment with us. Like, ab- that's why we do this. Yeah. But there are going to be some that you're going to be like, that's just not my thing. Sure. Right? Oh, God, and that's yes. totally fine. That's the way it should be. But then I also hope, though, that you might still listen to it and take away, like, the little breadcrumbs that we find along yeah, the, the way path. just through conversations with each other. Cause that's how this works. Right. That's how discussing film works as you get to drop little, little mentions of films. Like mm. I hope that if you listen to this, you might go check out creep and creep two, which oh, so, so good. You'd mm-hmm. think like creep two would suck. No, it's really it's, still very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's as good, if not better. I'm still hoping for the third one. I yeah, know that yeah, it was supposed that. to be shot. I don't know that. what the deal is there. But, I mean, that's kind of the great thing about these doing these. Is even when there's a movie we don't all particularly care for. And, Jason, I'm not even sure if you love this movie. Um, We'll get to that. Okay. Well, we should, so. Okay. Yeah. What's your thoughts? Yeah. Tell me. Tell me, do you love this movie? <laughs> I do not love this movie. Okay. okay. Mm. Um, On second watch, my opinion of it did drop. Interesting. Yes. Um, I didn't, like, I wasn't floored by it the first time I saw it, but I did think it was genuinely creepy. I'll give you that. And there I, are times where it is creepy. Yeah. It has its moments. Mm-hmm. And I will also say that I think this is one of those movies that is just more effective if you watch it alone. There are some mm-hmm. horror films that just work better by yourself. Out of curiosity, we had to skip a week um, because of some personal things going on. And I told you guys that I would just watch it at home. And you said, no, 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 I want to watch this one together. Was this what you'd chosen? 
No. Okay. I was thinking of something else. <laughs> okay, cool. Jason's right. notorious for changing his I mind. There's so much to watch. <laughs> I can't, yeah. That just made me wonder, like, if this should have been one that we watched alone. It probably should have been. Perhaps, You know, yeah. maybe that's something we should explore. Because I know there was another found footage movie that I personally adore. Dustin did not like it. Called Lake Mungo. I liked Lake Mungo. Oh no! Are we gonna have this fight now? No, I no. I just I think that that's a movie that works better watching it alone. Yeah, watching I it alone agree. in the dark. Uh, it's just better. I watched it during the day because I'm. A, like, so right, let me see this. Uh-huh. Watching the Pukipsi tapes, it kind of made me think of Lake Mungo because the things I didn't like about Lake Mungo, I also <laughs> saw in this. Okay. So, hmm. right, yeah. and they're both kind of a mockumentary type yeah. thing too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so star rating, what would you give oh. this? Final thoughts. Um, Why are we here? Right. <laughs> Where am I? What am I doing? Um, what do you want me to say? I think, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. What should I say? Um, I think that it's a, worth watching. I think you should definitely check this movie out, if for nothing else, just because of the curiosity factor, because it was just not available for so long. Right, fair. Um, at the end of the day, I think I would give it three stars. Hmm. Respectable. Yeah, because I, I, I do find it entertaining. I think some of the humor is intentional. Uh, like the whole dismemberment expert thing. Come on, I think that's got to be a joke. <laughs> it's not. That's got to be a joke. Um, uh, I almost called her Cheryl Dempsey because she's so um, convincing. Um, Jabowski, the main actress. She's, Has she done I think other stuff watching. since this? She was actually in Quarantine. Okay. And she had a small part in... Um, a devil. He did Devil as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he did Devil. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people hate on that one too, but it's I think bad. it's pretty yeah, good. It's not a bad movie. It's almost like a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, they were actually married at the time, she and the director. Ooh. Oh, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, she hasn't gone on to do as much as she should be doing. Oh, well, that's, that's a shame. shame. Yeah, yeah. Well, it happens so, <laughs> so often. Ooh, right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's a lot to like. I think it's worth watching. Um, three stars. Yeah. Cool. Check it out. How about you, Michael? I'm going to go with a two and a half. Okay. Mm. I did not hate the film. Dead average, yeah. I really did not hate the film at all. I'm not upset that I watched it. Um, I'm with you, though. After you said that, I think it probably would have been more effective had I watched it alone. Yeah. In the middle of the day, you know, with lights on and stuff. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> that might have been more effective as a viewing. But, I don't know. Overall, I think that the hype that was built up in my head didn't didn't play out so much as I wanted it to. But there is a good creep factor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it did unsettle me in parts, maybe not the parts that other people would be unsettled at, but for me, the the psychological torture was, was very unsettling. Sure. Um, but I'm probably more susceptible to, to that side of the horror than I am the... Mm-hmm. the Gore yeah. <laughs> or anything like that because we're all gore hounds. So I'm going to say two and a half, okay. but also extremely happy that you brought it because it led me to some of the, some of his other works nice. that I've really yeah. enjoyed awesome. quite a bit. So. At the end of the day, that's the whole point. Yeah. I'd love to see him come back and do another found footage. Yeah. Account. Yeah. It would be interesting to see. I didn't see. He didn't look like IMDb credits had anything within. And Waco's the most recent. In production. Well, so. like COVID kiboshed a lot of things. So it's oh, going to yeah. be a while. All right, so for me, mm-hmm. had a lot of problems. I do think it's a great idea. I think there's a lot of good execution and style here. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you see the seeds of his talent here that then develop in some of his other films. But uh, the plot problems I had, a lot of the hang-ups, I would give this like two stars. Wow, that's got to be our lowest rating so far. Perhaps, yeah. And to quantify it, to me, a two-star film is like, there was something here that's worthwhile and it's good to watch but I will probably never go back to it again unless I have a very specific purpose. Hmm. Okay. So I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm not sure that there'd be, be a real specific reason I'd come back to this one. I, I, think, don't, I don't need to watch it again. I think oh. if you love found footage, you need to see it. I think if you enjoy true crime, it's worth watching. Mm-hmm. If you like any of this guy's other films that he's directed, it's good to see for that reason too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, not a glowing recommendation from my comrades. But, but a good the, discussion, mm-hmm. which sometimes I think the yeah. discussions, 
I don't know. For me, sometimes the discussion is more enjoyable than the film. Well, it's too easy for me to bring movies to you all that are superlative and that you'll love. <laughs> so I have to, you know, mix it up a little bit here and there and bring in something that, you know, just yeah. to stir up the pot a little bit, oh, make some drama. You're insufferable sometimes, <laughs> I swear. Well, listen, I know someone out there loves this film, mm-hmm. and you need to talk to us. Contact us, email us at genreexposure at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Michael, you've been super active on the Instagrams. I've been trying to be. (laughs) (laughs) I've been working on it. Talk to me. And if you hate this movie more than Dustin does, write in and let us know why. Just somebody talk to me on Instagram. What were your hangups? Someone talk to Michael, please. He's very lonely. (laughs) 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 I just feel sad now. (laughs) What a way to end. Okay. (laughs) He doesn't feel lonely. He's fine. I feel okay. <laughs> You're fine, right? I'm just on the other side of this table now. <laughs> just over here by myself. But yes, good pick. I love found footage. I was glad to spend some time talking about it, thinking about it. Good. Excellent. So what are we watching next time? Yeah. So for next time, I'm still trying to cross off and get us like that shotgun scatter shot of genres. Yeah, that's kind of my uh, idea with this one too. And I've teased it a lot. I brought it up a lot. So I think it's time that we talk a little anime next time. All right. And we are going to be watching Promare, which was from 2019, directed by Hiroyuki Amaishi. And this is a theatrical animated film from Studio Trigger, who probably it means nothing to the two of you. But if you are deep in the anime culture, they are like a much beloved animation studio. Okay. I'm kind of excited to watch this one because I really struggle with anime as a as a genre like there are certain ones that i like like i feel that studio ghibli ghibli however you pronounce it (laughs) ghibli 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 (laughs) very good sir i feel like they're kind of targeted at me Mm -hmm. you know kind of lighthearted, casual viewer easy to digest they're also great movies they are yeah promare it's super stylish i think it's got a lot of interesting things in the plot to talk about so i'm curious to see what you guys think cool i'm curious to check it out Excellent. As always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Please join us on all of your favorite social media platforms. Let's get the conversation rolling and continuing to roll. And until next time, thanks so much. Bye, everybody. Take care.